Some of you are going to think I planned it this way and that I did it on purpose, but uh, this wasn't planned, at least not by me. But in the reading Patty gave us a, a while ago, the Acts reading, um, towards the very end of what I like to call Peter's aha moment. Okay? Reading about Peter's aha moment and then considering what we're going to be talking about tonight, which is what? Radical hospitality, right? Keep that right there. Okay, Keep it there and don't let it go until I tell you to. Radical hospitality. See, Peter had walked with Jesus, had talked with him, had learned from Jesus, was with him while he was here, saw Jesus being arrested, saw Jesus being crucified, saw Jesus not in the tomb anymore, and then when Jesus came back, Walked with Jesus again, talked with Jesus again, learned with Jesus again, and then watched Jesus go up and be gone. Believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise of the Messiah. Believed that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. Right? Peter had a misconception, though. He had this idea that nobody outside of the Jewish tradition could ever fully live in that promise. Anybody outside of the Jewish tradition is called what? Gentile. That's us, right? Everybody, unless you're Jewish, it's everybody else. And Peter thought there's no way that could happen until he had a vision. And then he was, he was told to go to a Gentile's house, Cornelius, and he had this Oh, I get it. You ever had one of those moments in your faith? You know, here, when you're, when you're going through it and when it's happening, you're like, man, I, oh, what in the, I don't understand. <sighs> but then like years and years later, you look back and say, ooh, thank you, God, for not letting me do what I wanted to do. Or thank you for not letting me say what I wanted to say. Peter has one of these moments. And he's there at the house of Cornelius. And he's talking. He's giving them the gospel message. He's telling them uh, what he knows about Jesus. And as he does that, the Holy Spirit comes on all those people there. And those with Peter are just astounded. How in the world is this happening to these Gentiles? They receive the Holy Spirit. Everyone knows it's happening. And then Peter says, well, there's no way we can keep these people from being baptized. And he made sure that they were baptized. Now, follow me here and understand what I'm trying to do. Those people in that house, you know, 2,000 plus years ago, really are kind of doing the same thing you and I are doing this morning. See, because Peter was there, and he was giving them what Luke says, the word, which was the gospel message. And I pray to God that that's what you're hearing coming out of my mouth. Then those people received and felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And some of you know that feeling and that assurance and praise God that this can be a place where that can happen. Then they participated in baptism. Everybody say, thank you, Bailey. Because we all participated in baptism too. You see, like I told them, you know, after the service is over, maybe next, some of you guys will say, John, that was a pretty good sermon. I really appreciate it. But tell the truth, tomorrow morning you might forget what I said. You might forget 
the way you thought, oh, that was pretty good. I should have written. You'll forget all that. But what you won't forget is seeing that baby and the water poured over her head. And you won't forget the renewal of your own baptism that you made today. So, here's what's funny. These people who heard the gospel message, these people who received the Holy Spirit, these people who participated in baptism, how did they respond to all of this? By practicing radical hospitality. What else would you call that? Peter, guys, don't go anywhere. You guys are staying with us. And you need to understand that. That's not, well, we got a shack in the back and, you know, you guys should be able to fit well. You should be all right. No. When Cornelius was inviting the people to stay, it was, while you're here, we have everything taken care of for you. While you're here, there's nothing you need. We got it for you. You are here and you are our guests. Might even be saying... You are our friends. There was a young friend who had another friend spending the night with him one night. And they woke up bright and early that next morning to the smell of mom making her famous pancakes. And so they went around the breakfast table and mom slammed that first big, round, golden brown, just like the men make at our church, pancake on that plate. Isn't that right, Grady? And the boys immediately began fighting. Who gets the first pancake? The boy's mother says, Now, if Jesus were here, he would let the other person have the first pancake. To which her son replied, Yeah, she's right. You be Jesus. <laughs> We've all had friends. We've all been friends. We've had, you know, pretty good friends and kind of so-so friends and friends and everything else in the middle. We've had friends that we've uh, adored, friends that we've known who are so loyal. And then we've had friends where we know we've got to be careful when we turn around. We've had friends where, who, who we knew that we could call in the middle of the night and tell them our deepest, darkest secrets and everything that's going on in our life. And then we've all had friends that when we see their name on that caller ID, it's like, ooh, not right now. But all the friends you've had, I bet not even the most life of the party friend you've ever had has never been able to take a big jug of water and instantly turn it into something that kept the party going all night long, have you? And I bet you've never had a friend, even though they've been, you know, athletic and quick and and all this stuff. They've never been able to walk on water, have they? And I bet you've never had a friend, even even so so faithful and even so uh, uh, prudent and even so just keeping things in order, being able to keep the money tight. They've never been able to take the little grocery list and feed five to ten thousand people at one time, have they? But I know a friend who did. See, and understand this. This is the same guy who one night while with his disciples, 
a roller coaster of emotions for these disciples this last night in Jesus' life. Because if you remember, they gathered together to celebrate Passover. And they're sitting there, and they're reminding themselves about what God's done for them and their people. And they're laughing and carrying on. It's the same night that they saw Jesus being taken away, arrested. It's the same night they were all sitting there, and all of a sudden, Jesus gets up and starts washing their feet. What in the world? And in the middle of all that, Jesus says, you know what, guys? A master doesn't tell his servants his business. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Can you imagine what that would have meant for those disciples? This was the man that they had followed, the man that they had learned from, the man that they had looked up to, the man they had wanted to be, the man who had taught them so many incredible things, the man who had done so many, so many acts of kindness and love and, and all these miracles. And he's calling us friends. You know how we are. Yeah, but God, I'm your BFF, right? I'm your best friend, right? You remember that time when we were out and I did this, remember? You, you remember that, right? Calm down. And then he, then he says something. And, and I think he's looking exactly, he's looking directly in Peter's eyes. And let me tell you why. He says, greater man, no man, excuse me, has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said that, right? I think he's looking at Peter because if you go back just a couple of chapters before, Simon Peter says this. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Will you? Will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Because in fact, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. You see, being a friend of God, it's not about saying the right things. It's not even about doing the right thing. Not even try to you know, dress the right way, speak. To, it's, it's none of that. Being a friend of God is about being obedient to what God has called us to be. Jesus said very plainly, if you love me, you will follow my commands. If you love me, you will follow my commands. And he says, my commandment is Love each other as I have loved you. Yeah, but Jesus, <laughs> you don't understand. Some of these people you got me with. <sighs> I 
Jesus, I mean, you don't, you don't really understand what's going on inside of me, do you? You don't really understand how, how those experiences really affected me, do you? I, I can't be that kind of person, Jesus. I can't do those types of things. And Jesus says something that I... Hold on. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Because I knew you could be like me. Because I knew what you didn't know. You can do this. You can be like me. What's interesting about that, you know, we like to think that, you know, we're on our own and we do what we want and we say what we want when we want and we're so independent and all that kind of stuff and that's fine. And you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this church stuff, I'll do this Jesus stuff when I'm ready. You know, we, we get like, and even in ministry, we say something like, oh well, I heard the, the calling. All this stuff that we did. I heard. I decided. I figured. I prayed. I fasted. And I knew. The only reason why any of us has anything to respond to is because God first called out to each one of us. And let's be honest with ourselves. He didn't call each one of us because he thought, yeah, they're going to be the best friend I need. Yeah, they're never going to let me down. Yeah, they're never going to go against their word for me. They're never going to reject what I teach. They're never going to be anything but the best. That's not why Jesus called called a friend, is it? He called us because just as the Father loved him, he loves us. I don't know if you've ever heard him call you. I don't know if you've ever read those words and thought, that's me. But I want you to hear this morning Christ calling you friend. Friend, we, we got some work to do, friend. Friend, I love you. Would you please pray with me? Loving God, thank you for your friendship. Move in our hearts this morning to renew our love and our commitment to you that as friends of God, we could be friends to the world and remind them of the love you have for them as well. In Christ's name, amen.